you drinking sangria. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just came to mind as soon as I titled this Espionage Worldwide. I remember this pitch from Step Brothers like Prestige Worldwide. And the first thing I thought of was, man, I should have memorized that rap. I know I've been hearing that everybody wants to hear about Afghanistan. What do you think about Afghanistan? What's the intel world say about Afghanistan? Are we get? I get it. And keep asking. That's fine. Uh, we're going to do a live show at some point. We haven't really nailed it down. We're just not in a hurry. I get that some of you were in a hurry. I do. I do. I do. And you can send me your questions, too. In fact, if you have very specific questions, please by all means send them. So far, I've had a few, and I can tell you the, the questions I've been asked with the exception of one I refuse to even address or acknowledge until some things go public, which started today, that there's nothing so far that won't be answered. I'll go much farther into it, including other organization stuff. But instead, Espionage Worldwide, I thought what I'd do, a little something different. We talk about espionage sometime and things going on in the world with them. I'm going to give you a rundown of a whole bunch of stuff and just give you a quick down and dirty on several things happening in the world right now that revolve around things like espionage and well military activity and stability. These things I've all picked because, number one, they're the types of things I look at that contribute to much larger factors and much larger things in the world, but they're also not commonly things people are looking at. So if you haven't heard of the vast majority of these, I think you should relook how you're doing your research, assuming you're somebody that does. If you're not doing research, not doing reports, not doing any of that stuff, not a big deal either way. It just gives you something more to look at. So Espionage Worldwide, what's going on right now? That's what we're going to talk about right here in Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight. So where do we begin in Tanzania? Lone Wolf terrorists used two police officers near French embassy in Dar es Salaam. Why is this a big deal? Well, most Northern Africa is French, not all of it, but a good portion of it. Some of it's even still colonized by them. They use Franks. It's a huge deal. If you look in North Africa, never, ever, ever, ever forget France, followed by countries like Sweden who like to invest money there. Or Switzerland, actually. Sweden does some other stuff, too, as well as all the terrorist groups. This is huge and a big thing to happen in Africa. This is a single about more jihadi action, even ones that are inspired and not necessarily sponsored by anybody and says a lot about the police not being able to respond and the growing onset of disruption in the area that you may not be aware is there. In Mombasa, we've got the Malango Wapapa Mosque is gradually being converted to an Islamic State Ideology Indoctrination Center. Why is this important? Well, it kind of says that the Al-Qaeda supporters or branch, whatever you call it, of Al-Shabaab has kind of been ousted by their competitors. That's because it's being turned into a center for the Islamic State terrorist organization in the Congo, which has growing actions, especially heading east towards Uganda, which American Special Forces are there currently fighting now. This is a big deal. People often think that all these guys are on the same team. They are not. Depending on when the title is used and who uses it, saying Islamic State is not saying the same as ISIS or ISIL all the time. Depends on where you're at and when it is. Also, whether it is or not, people that declare themselves use the Islamic State are usually at war or against the the kind of view and take of Al-Qaeda. This also speaks to larger security threats in Eastern Africa and especially against competing terrorist groups, which is bad for everybody because they'll start targeting each other, not just the people they tend not to like that aren't necessarily terrorist organizations, which could mean more civilian casualties, more attacks on other people, other countries, other nations, other governments, other militaries, other law enforcement, and then a big goat rope of who's deciding who's going to go there and do what. But that being said, Al-Shabaab has been very active in Somalia, especially in the Muddug region, starting to find more strategic attacks in areas to take over, and they've been very successful. 
They're beginning to take attacks against larger groups, people with armor in their towns that are continually fought over better strategic in nature and location for expanding operations in the region. Also, some of it's more retaliatory because they have also lost control of some towns, including one they had control of for 10 years. Now, despite certain areas being lost to them or slowly getting taken over by the Islamic State, they're continuing to act military bases and expand their area of control, including what are identified as forward operating bases in Somalia and the region. And in case you weren't worried or didn't know, Al-Shabaab is a bigger East Africa threat in several nations. They're just headquartered in Somalia. They don't only work in Somalia. And these types of attacks that they do tend to be raids, which are direct action, quick missions, IED attacks, and assassinations of leaders and officials. Some of the attacks include August 14th, they attacked a military base, Ethiopia troops in Hudur Bakul region of Somalia. On 15th, the Somali army troops in the capital Mogadishu were attacked, at least three people killed. 15th, an explosion in the middle Shabal region targeting soldiers and officials from the Hishabal administration. 16th, heavy attacks targeting on foreign military bases and allied forces reported in southern Somalia. 17 claimed to have overrun a military base operated by Galmadug forces. On the 17th, claimed responsibility for attacks for landmine explosion in the Mohammed Akbar Afran or Badar Garis Balayi district. On 19th, heavy explosion claimed by Al Shabaab reported in the capital Mogadishu. Also on the 19th, Sheikh Abu Bakr and Hussein Bure, the top officials of Hiroa District Administration, barely escaped an assassination attempt. Also on the 19th, Somali police officer was killed by a suspected assassin in the Karan vicinity. On the 20th, clash with troops of Southwest Admin in the viscery of the Gafagabari Bure region again in the town outskirts of Bay Baidoa, I believe. On the 20th, claimed responsibility for a car bomb explosion in the Somali capital Mogadishu. Again on the 20th, claimed responsibility for attack target Somali army base in Sabid, area of lower Shabal region of Somalia. 21st, launched a major attack on military base operated by Ethiopian troops. Also on the 21st, claimed a low-scale attack that targeted troops in general area. They are busy everywhere. They've had a busy month. They are very active. It's a growing threat in the region. That compiled with what's going on in the Islamic State, despite what people are saying, those that are really paying attention to the military action, realistically, if we were... Not getting out of a war cycle now, which is a lot of arguments why we could be our next major military operation. If we don't end up interfering in a place like South America and Venezuela, which is looking much and much less like we will, our strongest possibility is actually going and do something in Africa, which might be a strong way for us to go in and say something to China as they're trying to buddy up to Afghanistan would be to go into Africa. Not saying we're going to do it, but I'm just saying very, very strong possibility. Lots of Africa right now looks like lots of the Middle East did or was starting to look after a pull out of Iraq when we went back into Syria and Iraq and we're still in Afghanistan. So just saying, the math's there. Most likely region we get military involved in right now, Africa. Doesn't mean it's going to be the case though. And that's based solely off militant action and how it affects our own interest in regional stability as we see it as it's starting to expand to countries that we care a little bit more about, not for much other reason than that. Although historically, that tends to be enough of a reason to start a war. And if you're wondering, well, why... Why do they do all these attacks? What are they doing? Well, one possibility is the fact that Turkey just gave them 22 MRAP vehicles to the Somali government. I mean, that's always a possibility to fight back against groups like Al-Shabaab. Perhaps they're trying to gain headway and get those vehicles. Who knows? And if you're curious about things, I mentioned Congo. You should also know that troops from Kenya have gone down to Congo to fight the militants as well. Not to mention that at the beginning of the month, before all these major attacks happened, which who knows if this is what caused it or not, because I don't have all the information, obviously, but... 
we did announce, our State Department did announce certain leaders, ISIS members of Mosaic, the JNIM, and some Al-Shabaab leaders and designated them as leaders in terrorist groups, et cetera, et cetera, as we tend to do, which often results in the immediate action of them growing their violence or whatever in the region. Other things I look at are like this article on Lockheed Martin put in a new satellite dish development that they have. It's a new type of dish technology with a wide range of uses on satellites and ground terminals, including space-based 5G. You know, like that cool stuff on the new fancy cell phone. 5G in space. Because the Space Force got to use Facebook. That's why. Other types of development. We got a Navy engineer at the Naval Surface Warfare Center in Indiana developed this whole use your voice against you thing. It's kind of a new non-lethal technology called AHAD, acoustic hailing and disruption, where essentially what it does is like a big tape deck. You know, back in the day, boom boxes down the street, records incoming voices and sounds and amplifies and sends it back. While I don't know much more beyond that, I imagine there's ways they can manipulate that to make it kind of creepy or weird or perhaps operate in circuit frequencies or volumes to make you sick because that technology already exists. The other thing it very likely is going to do is create a new round of B-rated horror movies using some weirdo device like that that probably won't accurately even reflect what it can or cannot do. Yes, I was asked if the CIA director went to Afghanistan. I don't have his tragical schedule. I don't I do not do his appointments, but I'm sure that he did go there and meet with Taliban leaders. Not the top one, probably a very senior leader. Among many things they talk about, more than likely what they discussed had to do with evacuation plans and getting people out of there, especially dealing with things like visas or whatever paperwork they need. More than likely trying to coordinate some kind of deal to get them to back off the airport so that people can get out of there. I imagine, too... I mean, a lot of the times the way this stuff works is that what we see publicly on the news and what people say is not exactly what happens behind closed doors. It is theoretically possible that we've worked out a deal with the Taliban and it's like, hey, for the sake of your own people, go shoot your mouth off and say you're going to, you know, not allow us to do this, but you need to allow us to do this or or it's going to be a problem. And they could agree to that. that. That could happen. We've done it before. Happened in Pakistan. Early on in Pakistan, before terrorism was really that big, there as big as we knew it. We were going into Pakistan with drones and planes, not really troops on the ground yet, blowing things up and killing bad guys. And Pakistan asked us to do it, but let us know they'd have to come out publicly and talk down the United States and say, hey, you guys can't just come into our sovereign space in order to keep the support of their people. And that was the agreement. That kind of stuff does happen. So it's hard to say what came out of that deal. It's Khalil's house now. That's what I would have titled the article. But there's a fun picture floating around of Pakistani ISI praying with Taliban leaders. If you don't know who Khalil is or you don't know what the ISI is, you should probably look that up and learn a little bit about things like the TTP as well as the Taliban and the history of the last uh, 27 years. And you'll probably figure out who's actually in charge of running that country. And it might give you a little preview of what I'm going to talk about when we go live with Afghanistan in a few days, maybe. I don't know. We haven't scheduled it yet. If you want to get happy or pissed off, because it depends on your point of view, you should be tracking all the stuff on this January 6th insurrection, as they called it, and see what the FBI called it. I think they called it not an insurrection. Things that happened there and stuff that's been found through all the investigations and all the rest of all the people they brought in, including people in the right wing and the left wing and things like that going on. And I change your opinion of it, but it's definitely some interesting stuff now that there's been an investigation information collected that you can look at. So another thing to look at, too, is in Pakistan, the Chinese embassy has gone to Islamabad or they're in Islamabad. I'm like, hey, you guys need to protect Chinese citizens because they're getting killed by terrorists. What's your terrorists that are of Pakistani origin with some Afghanis that are anti-Taliban and anti-ISI, but are pro-Pakistan, which don't like China because of what China might do, that are all getting intel from Pakistan and India. And that's just, that confuses you. I'm sorry, because that's barely scratching the surface of the things going on there. 
That's why you got to look into groups like the TTP and the BLA and understand other acronyms and fun things like what the CEPC is, the Pakistan Economic Corridor on the Beijing Border Road Initiative, which is the BRI. And again, just I'm just barely scratching the surface on my Scrabble picture. I'm just saying there's a lot of information out there and a lot of acronyms to learn and, and understanding what the organizations or the designations are and what they mean and how these guys all work together and don't work together, but kind of work together while crossing over and not working together for their own special interests. Do you want a piece of me? Do you want a piece? You want the whole thing? Sadie, we're recording. That's my dog. What you want? Too hot? Want some bacon? Some bacon? Puppy bacon? Bacon sandwich? I gotta go make her sandwich. Hold on. He says as though you're waiting on hold and this isn't recorded. Other things that happen if you're not tracking them. We got a bunch of senior Afghan officials, including their spy chief, got smuggled to Turkey. That'd be interesting. Let's see what Turkey's playing is this. Because they're kind of anti-terrorist in some areas and kind of pro-terrorist in others. You know, just to comment on this, because a lot of people have mentioned this, or I've seen it everywhere, and it's all over the news because they want somebody to blame. And obviously, being the media, they can't blame the president, of course. So, like, one example says U.S. agencies warned Kabul would fall, but did not give precise timeline. It's as if they don't know what intelligence is. It doesn't do that. Unless it's already happened, then you can probably figure out a timeline. That's not how it works, people. It's kind of like, uh, I'm going to address this when we do the Afghan thing because it's going to make a lot of sense when we do that discussion. But one of the comments on David's show was words to the effect of terrible intelligence leads to bad decisions or something along those lines. But bad intelligence leads to terrible decisions, whatever it was. And I was like, no, that's incorrect. It's inaccurate. Why is it inaccurate? Well, there's no such thing as bad intelligence, which is also to say there's no such thing as good intelligence. Probably because intelligence isn't a thing. It's not a noun. But I'll explain that on the show, and it'll help put things in perspective. Did you eat your bacon sandwich already? I can see your fluffy wagons. Need some outside time? You know, an example of things of how uh, misdirection works, or also misinformation. One of the headlines arose about the CIA considering establishing a standalone China mission center. Why, oh why, would they announce something like that? Unless it already exists. Just saying. Espionage in the news around the world. Employee of the British Embassy in Berlin has been arrested by German authorities who is charged with spying for the intelligence services of the Russian Federation. Yes, don't get lost paying attention to China. Russian is just important and more important in some areas of the world. They are still doing the big bad. If you haven't seen the documentary or followed the organization, you should definitely look up the Wagner Group. Probably cross-reference that with places like Russia and Libya, and see what's going on there if you haven't before, and realize there are other countries just like ours that have private sort of security or militaries that do things around the world. The Department of Energy in Los Alamos Nuclear Laboratories wants to remind you not to fly a drone over any type of nuclear facility or classified military installation because they can do bad things to it and you will lose it. I think what surprised me is the information they're willing to let out, but maybe this is more widely known than I realize. But their statement says, if it poses a threat, we have the ability to, and this is the important part, disrupt control of the system, seize or exercise control, confiscate or use reasonable force to disable, damage or destroy. Disrupt the control of the system, seize or exercise control of a UAV that you have the system to. Think about what that actually means and what capabilities exist out there. And remind yourself, they're not limited only to a wireless airplane. Yes, I use those words on purpose. 
And if you're in the middle of sort of technology development, some things to start paying attention to are like developments of altitude jammers, upgrades and systems of NORAD, working with other nations like Canada in order to do so. Army Special Forces wanting to work with the regular military more. Different challenges in electronic warfare. And don't forget 5G, the Space Force, and Starcom and Guardians if you don't know what any of those are. And yes, despite the names they're using, Starcom exists in all branches of the military. It's just not all cars. Starcom, the types of things that Starcom is designed to do, does exist everywhere. And apparently, if you're in the Space Force, you don't get to be a spaceman or a space person. You're a guardian. And if you're wondering what that means, I imagine there might be a guardian tab down the way. Who knows? Or perhaps the Marvel movie Enterprise was designed just so we'd accept a new branch of the military. Now, aside from these few things, I also pay attention to some of the more common regular things like obviously China, Russia, espionage, Syria, Israel, Palestine, North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, South America, Central America, cartels, immigration issues, nuclear proliferation, testing, weapons, launching, etc., etc., foreign military movements around the world. Now, this is what I do. It's not like you have to do it. But it's to give you an idea of things going wrong around the world and let you know that if you're somebody that's researching this stuff, these are things you probably should have found rather easily in certain headlines. You might just have to look for them. It's also to point out things are always going on, just like people are always thinking unless they're brain dead. There's always something going on. Okay, yeah, maybe some gets put out on the news and it's purposely put as a distraction. It happens all the time. Does that mean everything's a distraction? No, it doesn't mean it's a distraction just because you want it to be. There's more stuff going on than the news can report no matter how they tell that story. That's why you got to do your own research and find your own information. There's more stuff going on in a person's brain than you can find out, even if you're really, really trying. But you got to put some effort into it. Now, that being said, because one of the hot topics is people being evacuated from Afghanistan, whether or not the numbers are real, which the numbers probably are, although some people are writing up big numbers and tens of thousands being all Americans in one day, which they're definitely not all Americans in one day. There are other people as well. Yes, there are a lot of people still wanting to get out, especially a lot of Americans. There's also a lot of foreigners from other countries, just nowhere near the amount of Americans are there, but they're definitely there. So some of the things that are happening, there are people that hire people to go into places like that and help get people out. Usually small numbers, very specific individuals. There is likely some sort of organized off the books actions taking place to help get people out. The large regular military on the ground, to my knowledge, is not currently participating in any evacuation or anything like that. They're trying to maintain security at the airport and can't just go rush out and do that. And I know a lot of people see numbers and think they understand all this stuff works. You don't. Could it be done? Yes, it absolutely could be done. There's ways it could be done. The choice is being made not to do that right now. There's also other places that the military is at in Afghanistan. Everybody seems to think they're solely just on the airport. Not true. There's still special forces teams in remote areas that are being told to stay on their bases on standby for whatever that are not running missions that are pulling security, watching the Taliban getting closer every single day. So don't think they're all just sitting in the airport. There's still some spread out there, out there flapping on their own that don't have a lot of immediate support floating by. Not to mention why we still have troops there. We got satellites focused. There's still going to be UAVs flying probably to some degree as well as manned aircraft of different types just in case they're needed. Will we get everybody out? Really depends on how the bad guys on the ground want to react to this timeline. So it's really hard to say. The problem is going to be whether it, if it happens, but even worse, if it's on camera, if it looks like a shooting gallery on the way out of there. If at any point anybody breaks through that fence line and starts opening up some civilians, we start seeing the last plane take off, people trying to jump on the wrap, soldiers getting left behind. It could be ugly. And this is something I've said. I don't think I addressed it on here. Maybe I did. But it's something I've been saying for a while. 
that it's, it's probably going to be really ugly at the end and that's going to be very bad. And I don't think at this point, despite what people say, it's so early in this term for the president, he could survive this. But if it goes down the ugly way, probably not. And I mean survive it politically as far as, you know, being the sole thing that takes him down. There's still a lot of time and a lot of things he could do to sway voters his way. So don't think of something like this as a good thing because you think the guy you don't like ain't going to get elected. This is a bad thing regardless of who's in office and whoever you want to blame for it, no matter how much you don't understand it. This is bad. We need to get the people out. The question is, is anybody allowed to take the steps necessary? And right now it sure doesn't look like it. Oh, and no, based on the video, if you saw it, the president can't be court-martialed because he's commander-in-chief. There's nobody to court-martial him. He's not subject to the manual. That's not how it works for the commander-in-chief. If they thought there was anything that he could be court-martialed for, like that British general or whoever suggested, what that would work in military law. He's probably speaking from the point of view of what they maybe they can do there. But in legal speak, that would translate to anything that would qualify as a high crime or misdemeanor, which would mean impeachment. So... Just in case somebody out there saw that video and was going to ask me, no, you can't You can't court-martial the president. The only way to do so would be a military coup, and you throw him on a military trial, except for if you do that, it's going to be a tribunal, and that's going to fall under different laws and probably follow procedures of the MCM, but doesn't necessarily mean it falls under the manual for courts-martial, especially because of the way the legal system would change. So it's hard to say, but at the end of the day, no. That being said, this is just a quick example down and dirty. The things I read, the things I see in espionage around the world, intelligence and information, and these, I was just reading basically some headlines I found. I didn't even put a lot of effort into this or do assessments. I could have read the intel reports that I've written or I've stolen as of lately, which you can see on the intel training page, the link down below in the show notes. You can definitely check those out. And maybe, maybe that's what you want more info on. I can't tell you that no matter what point of view you take on it, if you're following Afghanistan, you're concerned about what's going to happen there. You want an idea of how things are going to unfold the things overall to pay attention to are not governments that may or may not be involved there. It's terrorist or insurgent organizations are what you need to pay attention to. And I'm not talking about the Taliban. Most of them come out of Pakistan. That's really what's at the end of the day is going to determine how things unfold there, no matter what any government wants to do with any other government. And lastly, from an Intel perspective for people that are curious. And since we talk about intelligence sometime, there was a statement that came out from I don't know who it was, Mark Milley, General Austin, one of these clowns up there who shouldn't have a job. But they did make a statement about uh, essentially what they're saying is us not being in Afghanistan increases the threat at home of terrorist attacks, whatever. Some along those lines, you can find it. I remember when uh, on David's show Saturday, I put a link up to that and somebody made the comment, well, yeah, I can make that assessment. And I thought, yeah, you could. A lot of people probably have, but you'll be wrong as to why. Coming up with that idea is the same as luck. It's like rolling the dice, hoping you get the right numbers, but like a hundred-sided dice. It's understanding why that is. People think that is because Taliban controlled the country a long time ago. Al-Qaeda was there operating out of it, and Al-Qaeda attacked us, and thinking that's why we will have more tax share or likely could. No, because right now Al-Qaeda has different interests in Taliban. They're not on board with that. They're not building up anything yet, although they could, to be operating more freely there. And honestly, I don't think that that's going to be one of their goals. They might just want to have a place to have a connection. The reason is because we don't have eyes on the ground. See, one of the things about what we would call a war zone or whatever you want to call it over there, with thousands of people, with what we call intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, ISR assets, with people on the ground talking to people that were soldiers, 
special operations forces, human intelligence collectors, agency people. They're all on the ground. They're doing it right there. They're doing it together. They're talking to people, getting firsthand information, camera, video, audio, surveillance, everything, and getting getting it quicker and more accurately. Okay, all that stuff's gone now. Yeah, there's still some people there. Yeah, there'll probably be people there in a covert status. There's covert clandestine people all over the world. That'll probably happen at some point. They'll get some information, but they're not going to get as much as thousands upon thousands, which means not only do you limit your information, you also limit the time in which that can be sent somewhere, validated, and tracked. There was a time in Iraq where I had to get on a bird and fly to different locations to meet people, to trade thumb drives, to get intel to come back that by the time I got it back would be old news but still needed reported. Okay, that was in a somewhat secure military area. Okay, imagine what that would be like now if somebody had something they had to pass off physically pass off that was solid information or they didn't have something physical and they need to get out of there alive you know be like the movies maybe not really the point is to say the reason why there's that bigger threat is because one we're not on the ground as i described and number two because it's not solely that because that would be an argument let's just invade everywhere so we have permanent information everywhere which we can't do is unrealistic but the reason that's so important what makes that so important because all the groups that are there from all these different countries this is what do they call it potpourri Petri dish, whatever term you want to use of everything going on in the Middle East is Afghanistan. We're talking about Russia, forming its Soviet countries, Shia countries, Sunni countries, other nations, communist countries, Western nations, things dealing with all kinds of trade assets, especially when it comes to the stockpiles of natural resources they have. Of course, we have things like physical trade over the roads. We have regional stability in the Middle East. We have all the old school legal stuff, not to mention narcotics and stuff. All these different things converge there and go through there one way or another. And so many people want a piece of it or have a piece of it already. So it's one thing that makes just a slight bit different than other countries like Iraq and even Syria is how many people are involved and want to be involved there and how many options that the Taliban or who actually is in charge, Khalil, gets to decide what they want to do. And that is a much bigger issue and more pieces that go farther beyond things than just China, although China is a big piece of it. This is why I'm just pointing this out. Give you some information, go look on yourself, do some research, maybe ready for better questions, but to explain to you why we're going to do a live show on it, because there's going to be questions. There's a shit ton of information. We're going to be using probably slides or something at some point. We're going to be using articles. I'll be using some historical references. We'll be talking about all this stuff and it, Definitely better to do it in that scenario because if I did it here and just recorded a podcast, I'd have to do one like David does. It was like three hours long. I don't do that. I'm not going to do that on here. So I'll definitely let you know when that's coming. Guys, that will be down the road. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big shout out to the Guardians of the Galaxy and the United States Space Force. And thanks for putting up with me and my dog. I decided not to edit that out. Maybe you got to laugh. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using and Make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.